Original Nation, we are back with our 90th episode. What does it make us? Our great, 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 great grandmasters? I don't remember. That's too many greats to keep track of, but there are two greats that you want to keep track of, and those are Caleb Bowen and Jacob Moss. These two incredible runners took first and second at Canal Corridor 100, and they were just battling it out all day long. I don't want to give any spoilers, but you just need to sit down and listen to these two. They are experienced. They have a lot of grit and determination, as well as a lot of good advice. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Yo, what is Crackalack and Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight we are joined by two incredible guests who recently ran the Canal Corridor 100 mile endurance run and a course record was set this past year as well at this race. We're excited to dive into it. One guest we've had on before and the other one we're excited to have on and learn all about as well. Without further ado, gentlemen, Jacob Moss and Caleb Bowen, how are you guys doing? doing great yeah dude awesome thanks for having us for sure we're super excited to kind of talk to you guys about your epic race uh no spoilers at this point uh about how it went down and how close it was we'll dive into that shortly but you know as always i'm jo- joined by the lovely jd3 john dolavaki the third what's it go- what's going on man not much i'm in excited for this this discussion here as you guys know like now was my first hundred last year so i'm just you know excited to talk about it again it, you know, that course means a lot to me so i would never run it as fast as these two gentlemen but you know we can always have hopes and dreams right um just a reminder for everyone who's watching live drop those questions in the chat and we'll bring them on here to caleb and jacob let's start with our favorite part of this whole show what are we drinking caleb what do you got so I got the uh, Marshall University Earth Country Lager. Um, it's a it's by Country Boy Brewing out in Lexington, Kentucky. But uh, just trying to rep the herd, um, and it's just that's where I went to school, and that's where I coach now. But yeah, nice, Jacob. What are you over there? I am drinking Zevia, and it is one of the flavors that does not have caffeine. Since I'm probably going to bed not long after this. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Caleb, we got to talk about that mug over there. I just saw that come oh, yeah. on my screen. So here's my mug from Free Folk Brewery. Um, I feel kind of bad for drinking another beer out of you know, a brewery mug, but it's such a cool mug, you know, and I definitely want to rep the Free Folk as much as I can. So Nice. Wesley, what do you got over there? Oh, it's a basic Wednesday night for me, and that means it's a White Claw Wednesday. We're bringing it all the way back, raspberry flavor this week. Uh, excited to kind of crack into that. John, what about you? I am drinking an athletic brewing company, uh, one in a melon mojito here. So let's see if I can get that focus. Ooh. There we go. I always like Wowzers. getting their custom ones off the website and order them in. Uh, it's pretty delicious. Wish I could share with y'all. Cool, cool. Well, let's uh, dive into it. Obviously, we've got the drinks out of the way. Let's talk Canal, guys. This is uh, obviously it was an epic showdown between you two, and uh, you know we're excited to kind of learn more about you know even the backstory behind it. And that's kind of where I want to start tonight's show. Is why did you guys choose to sign up for the Canal Corridor 100? What were your motivations? What were your big draws? And why did you choose to go after this uh, 100 mile race? And if Jacob, if you want to start this one off. Yeah, so I chose I chose Canal because I started by looking through. There's a site called Run Hundreds. It's got a lot of the hundred miles listed on it, and you can see their elevation plots and everything. Um, so 
first thing I was doing was looking for flat hundreds. Um, next thing I wanted to do was be able to line up a 24 hour that would be not too long after, but long enough to get some recovery in and get a couple of training weeks in if possible. So, uh, last year I had done tunnel hill I think the week around was a little too quick. So, um, I ended up dropping around the 12 hour at desert solstice last year. Um, but this year I'll have a five week turnaround. So I added a little extra week in there. Um, still got my flat hundred. Um, so far it is working out great. So I'm about to hit a hundred mile for my last seven days. Um, I've had a pretty good ramp, some solid workouts and hoping it, hoping it pays off having that extra week. So that's a lot of what drove me on this one. Definitely. And we're excited to kind of dive into your future goals for that upcoming race kind of at the end of the show as well. Uh, Caleb, going back to you now, what were kind of your motivations for a canal this year? Yeah, so it really wasn't planned um, all year or anything like that. So I originally planned to do Rim to River again as my third time, you know, third hundred. Um, but throughout the summer, I started to look at like what I really wanted to accomplish this year and you know, definitely next year. And one of the bucket lists I had on my list last year, like one of the races I wanted to do is Bandera. And I unfortunately hurt myself trying to come back to get ready for Bandera after Rim the River last year. So I was looking for a hundred that was, you know, flatter that also had more time so that if I did get hurt, like I could have some time to recover and then try to get a good training block in. So I was looking at the like September through October, um, time period and canal corridor it was literally perfect i mean it's advertised as 800 feet elevation gain i had more than that but uh <laughs> um i had like 1700 but it was it was just really cool because like i've always wanted to do a flat hundred scared the crap out of me because i just didn't know what to expect with that um but i was hoping i'd be able to recover well from it and also <clears throat> it just worked out i mean everything Going from like the cross country season, we were off that weekend, so I really didn't have to worry about that as much. Um, you know, crew and everything like that. I had people that were available, so you know, I definitely committed to it. I think early September is whenever I finally decided to, to pull the trigger on it, and that meant I had to email Bryant Baker, who's the Rim to River uh, race director, and tell him I was going to go with a different race and he was totally cool he understood because he loves bandera as well as that that was his first ultra race so hopefully hopefully it all works out but uh it was definitely a fun time uh, at canal um so let's just jump right into this race and then we can go back and do some history of the two of you um start line start line vibes kind of what you guys were thinking that day of what were your goals um and what were you guys doing? Were you two eyeing each other up? Did you both know each other that were fast and you were there and you were like talking shit all day long or what? <laughs> Jacob, you want to go first on that one? Yeah, no, we didn't know each other. Um, and it, it was an interesting day because, you know, I, um, I kind of went out with my goal in mind. I started out around probably a 640 ish, 645 pace. So I was moving along pretty well. Um, I was intending for a low 12 hour. And if I had a good day, hoping for maybe sub 12, um, I didn't end up getting that. I ended up slipping above the seven minute mile, I think around 45 ish miles. 
Um, so yeah, I ended up hitting my hundred K split a little slower than I wanted at seven twenty nine. Um, and when I would turn around is when I would see Caleb. So he would be pacing with somebody at 50 miles. I forget who he was pacing with then. Um, but it was around there and, uh, I knew that he was too close for comfort. So I tried to keep moving on a little bit. Um, and then toward the end, actually, I, we found this out in a, in one of another podcast we did. I think yeah. that we might've talked to the same guy that was on a bike and, uh, he rode by me and I asked him how far back is the next guy. And this was, I was probably three miles out from finish. And, uh, he said, he's at least a mile behind you. If, if you hold pace, there's no way he'll catch you. So, uh, I held pace pretty much. And I thought, you know, if I just cruise it in, I'll be good. And next thing you know, Caleb just like flies by me with his pacer. I'm like, where did you come from? Um, so it, it made for an interesting little last, what, mile and a half or so. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a super long amount of time before the race was over. So it made for an interesting end. How was the start for you, Caleb? Yeah, so the start was, I mean, it was cool. Um, I like the atmosphere a lot. You know, being at the brewery and you're in downtown Akron and you know, just, there's just a lot of people just hanging around and talking and stuff. It was a little bit cooler, which was good. Um, but it wasn't too cold, if that makes sense. Like it was a good temperature where you didn't really need a whole lot of layers, but you knew that you're going to keep cool the whole day. Um, and we, yeah, we were blessed with great temperatures. I mean, it started <laughs> off in like the low forties and got up to like 54 ish and then went back down. So no complaints there. Um, yeah, I, I did my, uh, my uh, stalking on ultra sign up and I saw Jacob. So of course I went to his tunnel hill and I was like, Oh shoot, he, this is a 1250 guy. Okay. And then yeah, I went to his Instagram and, you know, stalked some of his uh, runs and stuff. So I knew Jacob, like, I felt like I knew him pretty well, but, uh, I didn't see him beforehand until we got to the line. You know, I was like, is that Jacob? No, that's not him. Is that? No, no. So we finally get to the line and he emerges out of the shadows, you know, comes up. And so I'm like, okay, no where he is now. Um, and then, you know, the race takes off. We go down just probably 300 meters, take a left onto the, uh, what we call a trail, the corridor trail. And, you know, Jacob's 20 meters ahead and just pulling away. So I was like, well, there it goes that, uh, that, uh, goal of winning. Um, so we're just going to try to hold pace, <laughs> you know, try to hold like, I, that first mile was like 7.02, and my goal was around 7.20. So I was like, I guess we'll just try to hang on as long as I can just at this pace. And uh, eventually found – it wasn't too long. I found uh, two other guys to run with, um, Nick, and I forgot the other guy's name. I need to look him up. But we, we just you know sat around and talked for a couple of miles. And then eventually one the other guy that I don't know his name peeled off. And then me and Nick ran for, I think, 35 miles together. And he was a stud. I mean, he was a 14.06 5K runner, 2.24 marathoner. So I got to learn all about him and his history and his family and everything. So that was really fun. Um, but around, like, so we, we saw Jacob at the turnaround on the Southern Terminus. And he probably, you had probably six minutes on us by that point. Because it seemed like it took about maybe a little bit less than a mile to get to the aid station. 
Um, and then we turn around, come back, and I could tell Nick really wanted to take off to try to cut the gap. And I was like, dude, this is a 100-mile race. There's no reason to be surging or anything quite yet because we got 80 miles left or 70 miles. And then eventually he started wearing down. And because we, like, we were talking a lot, and then I noticed that his talking kind of waned. And I'm like, oh, no, Nick's feeling it. So eventually he stopped at a station. I didn't really want to stop. So we just kept going or I kept going. Um, and then at mile four, like the, the halfway point or close to the halfway point back at the brewery, that's where I picked up Arlen, my first pacer. And then we ran together till it was 21 miles. And then I picked up Jeremy Pope, who's been on this podcast before too. And then, you know, Ran with him and then eventually got Holly and Swan, who's one of my best friends and you know, running partners. And she took me in for last six. So that was pretty much the day right there. Yeah. And no, I kind of love how, you know, you guys have both two different starting line approaches. You know, Caleb's over here seeing ghosts, trying to look down for any person that even looks anything close to this Jacob character. And Jacob, you're <laughs> doing your own thing. Like, hey, I'm going to go out at my pace, do my own thing on race day. And, you know, I think that's a, kind of a cool contrast that you guys had uh, at the starting line. But one thing I want to know is, and, you know, I think some viewers will want to know, is you guys, you know, he's ran this course so fast. How did you manage the aid stations throughout the day? Did, was it, you know, quick grabbing goes um was there any strategy involved with you know the calories that you were consuming whether it was liquid versus uh, hard food and then the process behind that and caleb if you want to start off by taking this one yeah so mine's definitely not as calculated as jacob's was um <laughs> just you know lack of experience and just you never really like don't know and like rim to river you know, my only 100 mile experience is totally different than this flat 100 because you're running the entire time like running at a decent speed too. There's no like stop and walk up a hill or anything like that. So I brought 17 uh, science and sport gels. Um, I like those gels a lot. They sell with my stomach pretty well. Um, I think they have, correct me if I'm wrong, but it probably has about 26 to 30 uh, grams of carbohydrates in them. Um, and I like them because you don't really need to drink water with them. They're very, they're, uh, I mean, they're just made, so you don't need to drink water. So every aid station, I had my parents switch out a water bottle, and every water bottle had two gels in it. And then that water bottle itself had uh, this science and sport electrolyte drink, which has like 34 grams of carbohydrates as well. And then eventually, I would get cycled in some Wharton's uh, solid just to have something in my stomach. Um, so the first 50 miles, that's all I took was just those gels two, two at a time and then uh, the solid as well. So I don't know how many calories I took in, but it, I mean, I felt like I did a pretty good job for, for me. And then once I got to the brewery, which is you know, the halfway point, I started to eat solid foods more. Um, mashed potatoes seemed to be my go-to. Um, they were easy to eat pretty quickly and... Like I made a big tub of instant mashed potatoes before I came and I thought I had enough, but eventually I ran out and I actually boiled a lot of boiled potatoes as well. And my dad started squishing those and making mashed potatoes out. Um, so it was kind of cool to see us learn on the fly a little bit there, but you know, pretty much every aid station that the parents and crew were able to be at, I would eat some form of potatoes in the last 40 miles. So I ate a lot of potatoes. 
Um, the gels about mile 70 started to go against me. I threw up one of them with Arlen and I didn't really want to go and like take them again until like mile like 88, I think. So everything else from that was like either liquid or mashed potatoes. Awesome. What about you, Jacob? Yeah. So I'm definitely a little more on the more calculated end of things. Uh, and the reason for that, I think is because I've done so many track ultras to this point. So, um, when you're passing your crew every quarter mile, you, you start to get pretty honed in on what you need and, uh, you can calculate it pretty well. Uh, and one thing I do too, is I use, uh, Gatorade GX patches. If y'all aren't familiar or any listeners aren't familiar, GX patches will tell you how much sodium you lose in your sweat and how much you sweat per hour. So, um, I actually take in more than it says I sweat, but I do go primarily by sodium loss. So uh, I'm able to get in my sodium and then I do a carbohydrate that's separate. And I didn't take any solid on this one. It was all liquid. Um, so that was my plan going in. I do higher calorie counts, um, pretty high carbohydrate, three plus hundred per, per hour. So um, depending on you know how I feel. So, but I typically don't dip below 300. So, now, Jacob, did you use Morton's or what did you use? I use multiple different things. I actually drank one of the things I drank that doesn't have a lot of calories in it was Ghost energy drinks. Uh, those were one of my absolute favorites in race. Actually, it used to be Rain. With energy drinks, I've kind of switched around. Uh, it used to be Rain. I've done Bang energy. Um, but I think Ghost is my favorite. So, and then carbohydrate, I've used a lot of Martin. Um, so yeah, nice. that's definitely in there. One thing that works well too is Welch's fruit gummies, by the way. Hmm. So if you like yeah. them, they're good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But, now do you use the 320 for calories? Yeah. Yep. Normally if I use Martin, I'll use the 320. Um, and then I'll, I'll have an electrolyte drink of some sort. That's probably got around 50 ish calories or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll alternate. Nice. So works Caleb, pretty well for you, Caleb, um, probably was a little bit different in the fact that you had a lot more chances for aid than you're used to at something like Rimmed river where you don't get to see your crew like every three or five miles like you do on, especially on canals course, you know, it's they're almost every stop you can, <laughs> you can see someone. So did, did you have a plan for how to manage that and how to make sure you're not spending too much time at an aid station? So to be honest, in my spreadsheet that I sent out to my crew, um, it, was, it was supposed to be every other aid station I was going to see my crew. So it's going to end up being just like Rim to River. However, thankfully, my uh, crew ignored that, and they just went to every aid station. Um, <laughs> so that was good, because uh, I definitely were, I was definitely depending on them quite a bit. Now, the first four, or 48 miles or whatever, I didn't stop at all. So kind of like what Jacob would do, I would just switch out water bottles and just keep running without, hopefully without a hitch. Um, once I started stopping, I try to limit my stops to about, uh, what I was hoping for is sub two minutes. Um, I was hoping for like 90 seconds if possible. Um, Cause like running the river, I had like 35 to 40 minutes of dead time where I stopped and, you know, ate and whatnot. So I really wanted to minimize that as much as I could. This time, after looking at Strava and stuff, it's about 14 to 15 minutes of stop time. Now, part of that, too, is, like, peeing. Uh, me and Jacob talked about that. Yeah. Podcast. 
you know, whereas cool, not necessarily cold, but you're not sweating as much in the morning. So all, you know, if you're hydrating well, like we were doing, it felt like every 10 minutes we had to pee. And I felt like I was losing the race because I had to stop and pee. And like, there's nothing you can do about it. But like, I mean, it, it was rough. Now, second half of the race, I guess we were sweating more. So I wasn't peeing as much, but that was something that I, I definitely was trying to plan out. Actually, I remember with Jeremy Pope, um, I think we had about, I think we're about like 88 or 89 miles. Um, you pass over this one dam river and there's like a water stop there, but there's no crew. I remember being able to see Jacob for the first time ever, like on the same stretch. <clears throat> Got really excited and everything. But I was like, I need to pee right now. So that way I don't have to pee the rest of the day. <clears throat> and I don't know if it was a good decision or not, because like, the fact that I could see him, I had hope. And then when I got to the aid station, they're like, oh, yeah, he's like three minutes ahead. I'm like, he was just right there. Like, did it take that long? I guess it did. So I don't know. It's just something you have to work and you don't really think about beforehand. But that's a that's a part of the race that you have to figure out. Yeah. it's We've talked to <coughs> runners who've, like, got it down to the second of how long they can take to change their shoes. Like, they just yeah. know how long, like, all that stuff down to the science. So it's always crazy to see how people manage the the time, dead time, as you said, wasted time almost. Not, yeah, no. Not wasted, it, but definitely dead time. It's dead time. Yeah, anytime you're not running, it's dead time. So, and it was funny because, like, in the last, like, 10 miles, like, you know, my dad could probably get mad at me for saying it, but, like, he was getting kind of anxious because he's like, you're, you're, you're gaining on him, but then, like, you're losing it whenever you're at the aid station. So he's trying to rush me out, and I'm like, Dad, I need to eat. Like, just give me the give me the food, like. And I remember my mom would said something to him like, Charlie, stop, stop rushing him. And it's like, <laughs> but you know, I needed that. I needed that push to get out of there because I would have stayed there all day if I, if I could. Um, but it's just funny because, you know, they were probably a little more anxious than I was. Because <laughs> at a certain point, like when all day you're being told where Jacob is and then you see him sometimes and sometimes you can't, you kind of start to lose hope a little bit whenever like you know, three minutes could be three miles for all I know. And then me and Jeremy, you know, right at the end of his uh, little stretch, there was like so many people were like, "Yeah, Jacob's right up ahead." I'm like, what does that mean? Is he like right there, or <laughs> is he like three minutes or four minutes? Like, I don't know. And uh, so I was kind of just like, you know, whatever happens, I'm I'm still having fun. You know, this has been a great day. I'm running fast, so it really doesn't matter. Uh, but then Holly Ann kind of changed that whenever she started facing me. She started to drill in my head, like, you can do this, you can win. And I'm like, okay. So <laughs> Jacob, was the was the reverse same for you? Were you being told that Caleb is right on your tail and that you need to keep moving? Or did you no, I was yeah, I didn't hear a lot. Only only feedback I got on it was that last guy on the bike that I mentioned. So all day that was the only thing that I really heard. I didn't really know I was being hunted, <laughs> I guess, so to speak, and unless I saw him at a turnaround. So can yeah, you I was just plant that guy on the bike there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was just funny. So, you know, at the at the three mile to go aid station, which I think is more like four miles, um, Arlen's like, "Hey, he's like two minutes and ten seconds ahead." I'm like, "Okay, cool. That, we've cut some time." And then that guy on the bike was just a little bit up ahead. He's like, "Yeah, he's ninety seconds ahead." I remember he like looked at his watch, so I'm like he's probably legit. Like he's probably like telling the truth here because he actually looked at his watch. He timed it. So that's actually, that was the mile that really started. Yeah. Like, Cause I was in a funk where I hit like three, 
803 miles in a row. And Holly and I kept pressing me like, hey, we can, you see, pick it up a little bit, just pick it up a little bit. It wasn't until that moment where I'm like, okay, I, I might, might be able to cut some, cut some distance down. So that 803 became a 740. And then there's a tiny little hill, you know, it's like a 5% grade. On that mile, it was like a 750. And then at that point, that's whenever, at the top of that hill is when I saw the white shirt that Jake was wearing. And that's when the alarms went off in my head. And then we were able to start running pretty fast. So I should have worn black. Should have. <laughs> should have yeah, worn black. Man, I'll remember that for next time. Yep. <laughs> just change shirts the last 10 miles of the race. You know, you can wear white yeah, all exactly. day in the sunlight and then change, change at the end there. Uh, no, yeah. that's kind of interesting though, to hear the mentality, you know, especially for you, Caleb, you know, in the past two hundred mile experiences that you've had, you've kind of been the person out in front and kind of leading the pack. And now this experience, you were kind of doing the one chasing from behind. I'd love to hear from both of you in regards to this. What do you guys prefer in a race like this? Would you guys rather be the one chasing from behind all day and, you know, make maybe not even knowing if it's going to kind of come a reality and you have the chance to overtake the win, or would you rather be the one kind of just leading the charge, not really worrying about the external factors and just kind of running your own race, just knowing that you're out in front in a safe spot. And I'll let Jacob, I'll let you start with this one. Yeah. So I think there's, there are pros and cons to both, you know, um, sometimes it's a, it puts you in a good headspace to chase somebody. Um, I remember being in that position when I ran, I, I had to be careful with tunnel Hill because I didn't want to mess myself up too badly for solstice but i remember chasing down zach mm-hmm. um who ended up finishing just before me still but um it can be good because you know you're you're out there and you know i don't have far and i can just reel men a little bit you know but when you're when you're in the front you can also get in your own headspace you can zone out you can listen to your music you can listen to podcasts whatever and kind of get into a chill zone, you know? So they're just two very different mindsets to be in. And I think sometimes it'll come down to the day on how I feel with which one I would prefer to be in. I think being on the track, I would definitely prefer just go out and do my own thing. But that's easier because you're not reeling someone in on a 20-something mile stretch, you know? Whereas on a trail, you are constantly some sort of distance from somebody that you have to physically close it's different than on a track so i mean i think it depends on the race i think it depends on what kind of headspace you can get yourself in that day um yeah yeah no, i, 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 I don't that think answer. that there's a specific answer yeah no i love it caleb what about you yeah i agree with jacob like both are ideally what you want to be able to do both if you're going to be a good runner uh definitely a good racer and you have to figure it out during the race which one's going to work that day um because i've had i've had really a lot of good experiences with both um i think there's like a sense of control whenever you're leading that is very appealing to me um i love being able to hammer and if i'm out in the front like i love being chased so I typically go with that route. Um, and usually if I'm doing that, like I don't do a whole lot of research on people who are in the race itself, just because it's like, it doesn't really matter what they do. I'm just going to try to hammer and test my limits as much as possible. Um, but also I kind of like the, you know, being the chaser because, you know, it gives you something to go after, but also you're able to get into some type of flow state within that type of race itself too, where you're not, you're letting get control 
what's like how to exploit it. You're giving up control because essentially it's up to the person in front of you to either bowl up or you to get, catch them. So you're giving up the control of the race. And if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. There's something kind of appealing to that too, because you're just out there having fun running. And I like that aspect of it. And that's kind of what I did at Canal. Like I remember telling Nick early on, I'm like, dude, if you know Jacob keeps crushing like he is, he's gonna run a he's gonna run a record of some sort. So it's gonna be cool to be part of this. And if not, then you know maybe we're in a good position to go catch him. So control's out of our hands at this point. We're just gonna run and have fun with it. So I like that mentality of it, but I also love just being the guy crushing, just pushing as hard as possible, just to see what happens. Um, typically, like I said, I go at, like I'm the one leading just to push and see what happens because the races that I've run so far have been where the competition allows me to do that. <clears throat> I mean, hopefully, hopefully I'm able to do a little more competitive races here in the future where, you know, if you're leading and, uh, you know, you're leading some really good people, like it's going to be a little bit different, but you know, I think there's merits to both. Types yeah, of I've, I've kind of got a follow-up based on that. And, you know, both of you guys are coaches or kind of coach athletes um, in, in some regards. And, you know, how do you, how would you translate this advice to someone who is in the mid pack or just, you know, going out there running their own race, but then also can kind of like push to kind of either take a couple spots off, you know, their own race or, or the vice versa, just lock into their own headspace, kind of do their own thing. Because, you know, personally, I'm not going to be out here winning canal or run chasing down one or you two guys or leading the race, unless I'm going for the first mile record, I can probably one run one mile at 640 right now. But um, talk to me about that and how you would use that advice to give to give your athletes or how do you portray that to them and actually give them that advice. And Caleb, if you want to start with this one. Yeah. So, I mean, coaching the college runners is a little bit different because collegiate races are definitely a whole lot different than ultras. But like, if you're a middle of the pack person, you got to have your own goals set and you just have to win the little battles. And every runner in the race has a little battle. They um, whether that be to push a certain section, you know, say in canal corridor, um, it's going to get tough in the last 20 miles just because it's so flat, so straight and everything's kind of just the same. You got to train your brain just to be able to zone out and perform. Don't get in your head. Don't start letting the negative thoughts come in. You just got to let it all go and just run. Um, so like my, my collegiate athletes, I tell them just run and have fun. You go out hard, put yourself in a position to do well. And if it happens, then great. If not, we'll figure out why it didn't work out. Um, so like for a middle pack runner, you have a lot of good friends who are in the ultra community in Huntington and, uh, Brandon Perry is one that actually pops up in mind. He's definitely in that upper echelon of middle pack. So he's definitely a guy who's like shooting for the top 10, top 15. He's never going to probably win a lot of these races, but Hey, he's going to run something pretty quick. Um, so you just gotta find those opportunities where you go into the pain cave and come out of it on the good end of it. So like he just did uh, no business hundred uh, the week after Canal Corridor, and that was his one of his goals was to come out of the pain cave and finish because his main goal was shot. He wanted to run sub twenty four. That wasn't going to happen. So he had to reevaluate his goals and ended up just trying to work in. He ended up getting like 17th or 18th out of the whole field, and a lot of people dropped out. So, in my mind, that's a win. And uh, I don't know, I don't know if that answers your question or not. Kind of rambling, but 
I think yeah. everybody can win those small battles in their own brain. And that's the, that's the main thing. That's a win in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I love that mentality. And I think you hit it perfectly on the head with, you know, no matter what kind of runner you are, everyone's got to win the small battles. And if you can do that, you're going to have a great day uh, in, in your own race. I think that's kind of the beauty of the sport. Jacob, what about you? What, what, what advice would you give to, to your athletes about this? Yeah, so a lot of the time, what I'll push for from everything from 10K up, maybe even 5K up, is push the last 30%. And um, a lot of what you'll see with that is, you know, when you're running – all the way down to a 5k, that can mean a negative split. Um, with a 10k, it's very close to negative split as well. If not even 5k, 10k, pretty even half marathon and a marathon. You're looking at a pretty solid race. If you can even split and negative split ideally. But then when you get into ultras, there are some that will push a negative split type of mentality, but I think that it typically will come down to some sort of slowing in pace. And that's when you need to push that last 30%. So if you're going to go out too fast, you don't want to give up more time in the front end than you do on the back end. So with that last 30%, you need to be able to match what you've done for the whole race. Um, and if that's too fast, then that would be a race goal adjustment, right? Um, that'll come down to individual race goals more so than, you know, pacing with somebody or, um, focusing on, you know, catching the next person or, uh, whatever it may be, it's focusing on your time. Um, and if you push that last 30% and you know, you gave it what you got, then that's what matters. Great advice there. Um, I personally like, um, I gotta add this comment in here, Dan Green's method of following in second place and making sure first place knows that they're behind and they're catching up. Um, I believe he screamed at you multiple times at Rim River last year and was like, I'm coming for you. So, Yeah, very distinctly with like a mile and a half to go to the Concho aid station, which is the very last aid station. Like I thought we broke Dan Green. <laughs> I thought he was gone. Like I, I ran really hard up Arbuckle Hill and I thought he was done. So then like whenever I heard him coming, and I saw his light too, so that helped. But yeah, uh, giving the uh, first place a little scare every now and then is not, not bad. Although <laughs> I think the method is don't let them see you until very, very end. That's probably the best method. That's a great I'm not gonna lie. That position, though, like to talk about how that actually happened and the emotions for both of you when that happened. Because then it became yeah. a race. Like, yes. It was like a race from that point on. It was, it was. Yeah. So like I said, you know, with three miles, like whenever I picked up Holly and, you know, Jeremy Pope and I had planned just to run through the aid station. So she picked me up and those were like my slowest miles of the day. Like the first three miles, she kept pressing me to keep running harder, keep running harder. And I was just like, I, I feel like I'm surging, but I'm running the same pace since like eight or three. And I think part of that was due to it being, it was getting dark. And I really didn't want to turn on a light or anything at that point, but it's getting dark and just things just weren't running as fast as, as I could have. So we get to that last aid station, you know, find some hope, but you know, it's still at that point, I'm like, I'm just happy to be here. I'm having, having fun, you know, whatever happens, happens. And then we go up the hill and like Holly Ann kept asking, like, is this the hill? Is this the hill? And I'm like, I don't even remember a hill. So maybe, <laughs> you know, 
And then finally we see a sign that says like 5% grade. I'm like, I think that's it. I mean, that makes sense. It's, it's 5% grade. Um, so we, we push hard. I mean, she kept pushing me to run hard. Like, and uh, eventually, like I said, like we could see this white shirt. So, and she like screeched. Whenever she saw it, she was like, yee! I'm like, what in the world? And then <laughs> I see it. I'm like, oh, oh, no, no, it's happening. So like I had to like prepare my brain because we were, we were running really hard at this point. And then, you know, she took off, like she had a plan in her mind. So she took off. I'm just like holding on for dear life. She comes up and then like, I think her plan was just to pass as fast as possible. So she did. And I admit, I kind of had to as well. And then from then on, I was like, I can't let him catch me because I mean, he, he definitely deserves the win. Cause actually my watch clicked a hundred miles before I caught. So technically he won the hundred mile race. Um, but <laughs> And the thing that was like, I was 101.8. Yeah. I had like 101.37. Um, but I think we caught you at the, at the crosswalk. And that was another thing. Like, I don't want to pass him because the car's coming. We both have to stop. Like, that's going to be really awkward to like finally catch him at the stand and like, look at each other while a car comes by. So fortunately no cars were coming. So we just sprint as far as we could. And like, she's giving directions, like, Come left because there's like a bunch of leaves right over on the right. So I had like your left, your right. And then at that point, like I just literally sprinted as far as I could because I was like, I can't let him catch me because if he catches me, I'm done. Like there's there's nothing left in my heart to go any faster. Um, it's just so we just ran hard. And I remember at one point we were pretty close to making the final left turn and we passed a guy named Jeffrey Benati. I think that's how you say his last name. He makes the maps for the rough guide map, you know, thing. And he remembered me from Rim to River and he started screaming and that got me really pumped up. Like he's he like, Caleb, you got this. And I like started sprinting as far as I could. And then I think we scared a lot of the aid station workers because they didn't, they weren't really expecting any of us to come. And we come blowing through and they were like, here's your bags. Then it wasn't our bag. But, uh, and then we, we could tell that no one at the, the finish line was ready. So we were like letting out some yelps and you know, whoops and stuff. And no one was really, get, you know, reacting. So eventually we come through and like, oh, here's the winner. Cool. And, and that was it. So definitely the emotions were like, I mean, pure joy. Cause like definitely in the last 10 minutes, things switched really quickly. Um, but it was just, I mean, I was very ready to be done. It's one of those races where I would have been totally fine if it was 99 miles. Like, I wouldn't have run any more than make it 100. Uh, you know, 98, 99, that'd been cool. But no, it was over 100, so that was <laughs> fun. Um, but yeah, just I was very happy. And then I felt really bad because I'm like, I literally, I feel like that was dishonorable to pass somebody that late. <laughs> been leading the entire time. Like, I just, I didn't like that feeling. Like, I wish I would. I wish I would have made a push earlier to catch him earlier to make it a race and give it like a, you know. But it just felt I don't know weird. So that's why I was like, I apologize to the bet. Whenever you finished, Jacob, I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> racing. Me man. Crying, but, but, <laughs> but no, it was a fun. It was a fun time. How about you, Jacob? What was that emotion like to lead ninety nine percent of the race? <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So. Yeah. It. It was a little tough, you know, because he passed me on the hill. And so I live in Charleston, which we have no hills here. So I kind of had it planned out 
even before the race, you know, I had everything plotted out. I knew where the elevation changes were and everything. And I knew that I was going to slow on that hill in particular, um, which I did according to plan. And of course he passed me on that hill. Um, after that mile, I think that we, I think we split probably a similar mile. I think I was around a 740 for my last one. And I think, I think he was too. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Caleb. My last um, mile was 623. 623? Yeah, it was wow. the fastest mile of the day. Yeah. Nice. Good job. I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I picked back up after that hill, though, but I didn't have enough um, to be able to pull it out that quick. You know, I typically do a little bit of recovery after my harder hills and stuff um, because I'm I'm not used to them. I don't have that strength from running in mountains all the time. And uh, I don't have – we have one hill here. It's the Arthur Ravenel Bridge. Uh, if anyone's familiar with the Cooper River Bridge run, um, it's a 10K here in Charleston. It's like the only hill we have. So I did some hill repeats on it and everything to make sure I was prepared, but uh, I didn't expect to be passed on the last little bit. So kudos to to Caleb for grinding it out and pushing it out all the way up and uh, carrying it through that last mile. So crushed it. Thank you, Huntington, for having a little bit of hills around. Yeah. <laughs> Just small. They're real small. Casual. They're, yeah, they're small compared to the shiny state stuff that you guys have. Yeah. Um, I remember, so I was like watching your guys' race like all day down at, in Shawnee State Forest for the Shawnee 50. And like I'm just sitting there like, or I'm at the at the finish line for them, like, you know, finishing up watching last, some of the last people come through near that before it went got dark. And I was like, I was like, Caleb's still right there. Caleb's still right there. And then all of a sudden you you passed him. And I remember looking at Michael and be like, how did that happen? Because <laughs> it was like, <laughs> like the last update we got was like 90 something or from some people who were out there. And I was like, what, what, what? I was just like freaking out because I didn't know what happened. Like, it's just so crazy <laughs> to see a switch like that so close to the end and, and whatnot. So, and I think it's awesome to see how like, you're like, I'm sorry, I took it from you. And <laughs> like, just being like <laughs> humble about it and being like, I didn't, I didn't mean to, I just ran. <laughs> It definitely wasn't planned, that's for sure. <laughs> and I think you you both broke the what was the course record, right? Oh yeah, the, yeah. Arlen's yeah. record like thirteen forty. Did Arlen yell at you? He's like, "Not gonna come back and do this." Again? <laughs> he he mentioned it actually. He's like, "You need to run something fast, so I need to come back and, and break it again." And I was like, "Okay, that's not Loki humble, but okay." <laughs> 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 but you gotta keep in mind whenever he broke the record or set the record it was like was it august or july whenever they ran that race that's right yeah, yeah. It was in july yeah so totally different i mean we had perfect weather i mean even last year it was pretty warm for what like forever remember seeing so yeah it, was, it was warm but it was it got to that cold at night where like you all of a sudden start peeing every 10 minutes yeah yeah my, my wife was like are you gonna stop like what what is, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. So, it definitely dropped down, got chilly and whatnot, and then, you know, Wesley was like there to make me run and warm up. But Yeah. John, was, I want to hear more about your race. Nah, we could talk about it another time. No. It was a blast. It was last year though, but um nothing lined up yet. We'll have to work on another hundred miler. 
Well, speaking of some guys that have some stuff lined up shortly, you guys, what's next for you guys in terms of the races that you got coming up? Both of you guys kind of touched on earlier. Is this is kind of a tune-up run or, you know, a race that you're going to kind of want to propel, you know, moving forward. Uh, what's next? Jacob, let's start with you. Yeah, so my next one will be the Stinger. That's the shirt I'm wearing. Uh, best 24-hour in the nation, so I'll be getting back on the track. Um, I'll be, as always, shooting for two high of goals. Uh, see what I can see what I can get. I hope to start at the pace average I averaged at Canal, so around a 7.30-ish. Um, see how long I can carry. So we'll see what ends up happening. How did you get into like, the track 24-hour events? Like, Was it just like something that you were like, hey, I just want to go out there and try to see how fast I can run? Or What's, <laughs> what's the mentality? Because like, I, it's just I feel so different to, <laughs> for me. I just want to learn to see if I can have a new perspective on it that makes me be like, okay, this is what I want to go do in 2023. Yeah, so are you a numbers guy? A little bit, yeah. A little bit? So yeah. I'm a I always tell people when I finish guy. top five, and I don't, so I like numbers. <laughs> I'm a big numbers guy, so when I... When I ran my first, I got the idea a few weeks before that there was a possibility I might have the fitness to try and run a U.S. team qualifier, 145 miles. I ended up meeting a guy named Joe Fegis, if any of you know that name. Um, he has held multiple records and everything. I think he holds the 72-hour record and things like that. Um, but he beat me out with 125 miles, and I ran 122 and a half. Uh, it was actually at the stinger as well. It was my first 24 hour on the track. And from then on, I started shooting for the U S team, um, had multiple failed attempts, ended up running 159 plus. Um, that was my U S team qualifier, but go figure, uh, with the world championships were canceled for, uh, that year I was going to be running. So, um, I've been doing that ever since, and I've continued to build fitness that is above and beyond that. So I hope to set my goal and see what I can get. Awesome. Yeah, well, we're excited to be uh, rooting you on here in uh, a week or so uh, when you're out there. So so best of luck out there for sure. Yeah. Jacob, are you doing desert solstice? This one will be my, my main one of the year, so we'll see what happens. Jacob, are you doing desert solstice as well? Oh, no. No. Okay, that'd be a quick turnaround, but... Yeah, well, that would be a Tunnel Hill turnaround. So Tunnel Hill falls on the same weekend as the Stinger, so mm -hmm. it would be a four-week, but there's no way you could do a four – well, I take that back. There are people who have done a, a four-week turnaround even shorter from a 24-hour, but I strongly recommend against it. Yeah. <laughs> four-week is quick enough from a 100-miler. Um, I think it's too much for a 100-miler. Um, that's personal opinion, though. So. Mm -hmm. Caleb, what about you? What's next in the uh, the hopper? Yeah, so I really wanted to find a race in between now and January 6th, like between now and Bandera, but it's probably best that I don't. You know, I really just want to get a good training block in because um, I definitely looked at the uh, McDowell Mountain 50-mile uh, race in Arizona. Uh, Scott Traer actually reached out after Cal and invited me, but I just don't think it'd be good to rush into something and then try to either rush the recovery process from now and going into that race or, you know, or the recovery process afterwards. So I'm really just going to focus on Bandera, you know, get a good train block in and try to get some good miles and some, a couple good workouts in. Um, but then Bandera will be the main one. 
Uh, then unfortunately you have like track season, which is my job, which I love. So not unfortunately, but you know, really nothing from then probably until Gorge Waterfalls. You know, I'm signed up for Gorge Waterfalls, 100K. Um, me and Alex Miner going down. He's going to run the 50K and I want to run the 100K. So really excited for that one too. Um, ever since uh, Holly Ann ran it last year and I was able to follow through the uh, free trail you know, live stream, I like fell in love with the race. So definitely excited for that one because I think Dylan Bowman and the uh, Daybreak Racing crew does a great job with it. Um, you know, hopefully get lucky with the, the lottery for Western States because that's my ultimate goal. Um, I mean, obviously I want to try hard for the golden ticket, but like, you know, those are few and far between. So really just hope to get in somehow, no matter what way it happens and run Western States. But other than that, I kind of just do my normal gig of the, the local races. You know, if I don't get into Western, I might do a uh, Highland Sky 40 miler again, might do Canal Trace again, Okay. Uh, Hurricane 100K was a lot of fun this past year with a big, you know, payout. So shout out to the Hurricane 100K crew. Um, I got I got beat by Alex Miner, so definitely want to re- you know win that one if, if possible. Um, and then I don't know after that. I really need to figure out uh, what kind of 100 mile race I want to do next fall in winter. Um, I'd like to do something different. You know, Rim to River is obviously on the table, but like. You know, since I've done Canal Corridor, it's kind of opened my eyes to a few other races. Um, so Tunnel yeah, Hill. Schedule. Tunnel Hill would be a lot of fun. It would be a lot of fun. So that, that's that's on the list. Um, I'm thinking about it. Really? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I might do it again. I think yeah. I could I think I could take a lot of time off of what I did. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Remember? Sure. You should do it. Yeah. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And usually the field's pretty good and weather's decent. So it's like we need to get you on the track. <laughs> I don't know if I have the mental fortitude to do that. You said he's on the track all spring, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. not personally, Come but. On, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, that, I was thinking about that on my run today. Like, could, could I run more than 50 miles on a track? I really don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, first off, I'd probably have to get a good podcast and just, like, listen to a few rounds of that. Um, and then maybe a good playlist. I don't know. Like, I've never run with music or anything like i've never had headphones before so i really don't know how that'd be but it's yeah. totally i think it'd be fine though because i feel like it's it's not as bad as what you think until it is as bad as you think. Like, <laughs> until like i don't know hour 16 i don't know maybe maybe i'm wrong you have a lot more experience with that so i don't know where it gets done. yeah well if you think about it reach out and we'll okay. talk about it <laughs> so. i mean desert salsa would be kind of cool it's just i don't know i mean scary Stinger. Stinger. <laughs> east coast huh east coast, east coast there we go yeah keep it at the east coast it's the best one in the nation anyway <laughs> like josh keck's in the in the chat and says you know asking if there's going to be a rematch and that sounds like you guys already answered that question and are planning it at this point well, tunnel hill <laughs> tunnel hill could be a good one uh, there are some good ones at the beginning of next year that I'm eyeing too, you know. Um, there's Umstead in North Carolina. There's CNO Canal up in Maryland. There's, uh, but it's, there's, there are a few that aren't record eligible too, though. Um, I know Umstead is. So mm-hmm. if you're, if you would want to go low 12, then keep that one in mind. Um, but yeah, there, there are multiple that are at the beginning of the year. Um, so it doesn't have to be. Tunnel Hill for the next flat fast one. It could be another one too. 
Have yeah. some fun. Brazos Bend or Brazos Bend in Texas. Yep, in Texas. That's be a fast one. Yeah. yeah, it gets a little hot. Yeah. So, so I mean, it depends on the year. It, if you get a nice cool year, it could be a very fast, very fast course. Yeah. So. I'd love to do a Havelina, but our conference meet is going to be that same weekend every single time. For yeah. So that one's off the list. Yeah. I'd also like to do Grindstone, which is the exact opposite of what we're talking about. <laughs> it's like <laughs> 26,000 feet elevation gain. But it, that one was a lot of fun to, to crew and pace. So I think that'd be a fun one to do. Uh, but yeah, totally different. Yeah. Holly G in the chat says that uh, she agrees that, you know, Caleb needs to get on the 24 hour track on a- ASAP as an option. So. Hey, the more. I, I tell people right now, you know, I think a U.S. team qualifier is going to take 160 uh, in a 24-hour period, and yeah. I think that you could probably pull that off. So, uh, so I would love to see you shoot for it. We can use some strong guys on the team always. Stronger the better. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, once you get on the team, you have to do it again because you have to do it at work. Right? <laughs> That's a few times. Well, you, don't, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. No, but you got to get plus. Yeah, represent. Oh yeah. I don't know. I just I do love the fact from like in races that are like especially like point to points. It's like part of a journey, and you're trying to like complete the journey on a track. Mm-hmm. There is a journey. The journey is all in your head, and you're just running around the circle. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, win the little battles every 400 meters. You win the 400 meter race, and if you do that, Caleb, you'll win. Uh, yeah. The, you know the track, <laughs> the race. So you'll. you'll oh, when I was. When I was uh, talking to Rich Riopel, trying to figure out, you know, how I was going to pace one of my 24 hours when I was first starting out on this stuff, he said that he was tracking by the 100 meter. So he would have a he would have a 100 meter split that he had a goal for for the whole race. And I was like, I could never. That's no. too much, man. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. too much. <laughs> Did I get mad? Like, was he like visibly like frustrated every like other 200 meters? Like being like, ah, oh, I missed it this time. Or, like, right on the money. Like, <laughs> oh no, he. I think he ran 162 point something. Uh, that was when he ran at D3. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <Jeez>. So. <laughs> well, we wish uh, you both best of luck on your upcoming races. Uh, I think Wesley agrees to me with me when I say that have fun at Gorge Waterfalls. It's incredibly gorgeous. So it's a beautiful place to run. Um, Get it? Gorgeous. <laughs> I don't, yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we got We got a rapid fire, quick, quick questions here at the end of the show. Um, Caleb, you've been through these, but you get to answer them again. And then, uh, Jacob, this is going to be new for you. And then we'll, uh, wrap it up here. So first thing on the list here is what's one thing that you can't leave an aid station without. And Jacob, you can go first. Jacob's frozen. Well, Caleb, you can go, uh, see if Jacob comes back to us here. Is he back? There we go. Oh, there there you go. Now I'm back. All, All right. good. So uh, the question was, um, what's one thing that you can't leave an aid station without? If you want to go first, Jacob. Yeah, definitely my water bottle every time. <laughs> um, that's about it, though. If I've got that, I'm good. <laughs> How about you, Caleb? Oh, definitely mashed potatoes. I mean, that's that's good, too. <laughs> um. What is a what is the weirdest hallucination mid race or strangest thing you've seen somebody eat at an aid station? There, I didn't actually see it, but there was a guy drinking out of his shoe at Canal Corridor. What? 
Yes. What were those circumstances? I have no idea, but it was a picture from Canal Corridor, and it was the most disgusting thing I think I've ever seen. So, like someone lost the wow. Bet. Yeah, someone yeah. knows the backstory there. Throw that in the, uh, the chat. We'd love to learn that, about that. I would like to know. That would be great. <laughs> That's definitely the grossest thing I've heard so far in yeah. the show. On that, did you see that, Caleb? No, I never did. No, breaking news: It was Caleb. It might have been. Was it on the website? <laughs> David uh, Creed in the chat says, drinking a beer out of his shoe at the finish line. That was it. It was disgusting. That's one way to celebrate that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Not my cup of tea. Caleb, what about you? I really struggle with this one because I've never really hallucinated or seen too many weird things. I did see 10 snakes on the course at Canal Corridor. I'm like, it's October. There shouldn't be any snakes around, but there was. So that's that's going to be my answer. Ten snakes. Five are dead, five are alive. Wow. Yeah. They were actually real. They Well, they might have been hallucinations, but they look, they definitely looked real. And <laughs> me, Arlen, and uh, uh, Jeremy were counting them. So I think they're real. <laughs> Crazy. Hmm. Yeah. All right, next question's for Jacob here. Uh, what is one ball sport that you think you could beat most ultra runners at? Racquetball. Oh, that's a really good answer. That's the first time we've had that answer on this show. <laughs> hmm. What about you, Caleb? So I'll go with my answer from last time. Uh, definitely soccer against you, Wesley. Yeah, I still don't think that'll happen. You know, I'll, I'll let you take the uh, the hundred mile success at Canal, but I don't think on the soccer field that uh, you'll be able to. We'll have to See, I played for six years, six years little league. You know, I, I got a lot of skills. Hey, we'll we'll make sure to uh, test it out when I'm back east for sure. Well, you yeah, just defender play of the year. Gorge. You just drive over Gorge, to see yeah. McGorge and just play right afterwards. Yeah, I like still, it. We yeah. still beat you. That's even worse. If we beat you then. Yep. We'll both run gorge, and then whoever uh, plays soccer, you know, versus each other afterwards. That'll be like the. Uh, I'll bring a ball. New duathlon. Out there we go. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I smell an injury coming. <laughs> please, please be careful. One v one, full field. Just Wesley side that's injured. That's it. <laughs> um, if ultra running had walk up songs like baseball. The, uh, what would yours be? And just to let you all know that this does go on to the Ridge Runners Spotify playlist. So we have the most eclectic list of music on there. Uh, Jacob, do you want to go first here? So mine changes for each peak race that I'm building up toward. For the Stinger, when I ran 159, it was back in black. And for this one, it's so far turned out to be Eye of the Tiger because we're watching Rocky. We're watching all of them all the way through, so... What about you, Caleb? Um, let's see, I'm gonna go with Apple Tree Blues by Camp. Um, I'm definitely a big camp kick right now, so that's gonna be that's gonna be it. Now, where do I find a Spotify playlist? Because like I've looked for it, I can't find it. If you go to our uh, Instagram profile and click the little link, mm-hmm. the link tree button, scroll down. Okay. Tunes of the Nation is near the mid to bottom of that list. Wesley, are you looking at this right now? Yeah, it's somewhere on the list. I'm not entirely. Yeah. I'll move it up to the top just so you can find it, just for you. <laughs> um, and then this one's one of our favorite questions to ask: If you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they aren't a runner, and assuming they would be able to keep your pace, who would it be, and where would you run? And uh, Caleb, if you want to lead this one, mm. I'm gonna go with my dad. 
I want to run. I want to run a race with my dad where we run the whole thing together, finish together. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Nice. Where would you want to run at? Uh, you know what? Western states would be pretty cool. You know, on that, <laughs> that track, that'd be really cool to finish awesome. with him. Love it. How about you, Jacob? Yeah, I'd actually have to say the same. I would want to run the Stinger with my dad. I think it'd be pretty cool to go a 24 hour with him. He's always done my timing and everything. Uh, so yeah, it'd be a lot of fun, especially to do it somewhere where I've raced so many times with him there. So awesome. And before we close out, we want to kind of give you guys a chance to, you know, plug any sponsors you may have, of course, give Ridge Runner Nation, your social medias, uh, they're an active bunch and they'll, uh, love following you guys along, especially on your upcoming races. So Jake, if you want to start off with this one. Man, every time we ask him a question, he just freezes. It's one way to get out of answering it, I guess. It's a great tactic. Yeah, I know. All right, we'll toss it over to Caleb first. Uh, Is oh. Caleb frozen now? <laughs> Tactical difficulties on the show right now. <laughs> it looks like um, you're yeah, froze. Like, oh, Jacob's back. Oh, no. Yeah, it says my internet's, like, unstable. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you, we can't close the show. All the internet's crashing. This is wild. All right, Jacob, uh, any sponsors? And thank you, social media, you want to plug before we get out of here? Yeah, so I actually started making my own muscle relief rub, so I guess I'll plug my own business. Um, I actually made it for myself because, you know, working with muscle knots and whatnot. So it's got, like, magnesium and arnica and essential oils and everything in it. So that's in my link tree on, um, my Instagram, if you're interested in looking at that. Uh, and I also do personal coaching. Uh, so if you are interested in coaching or anything, uh, feel free to reach out. And also I could not do this without, uh, the, both the foot store and Mount Pleasant. Uh, they're always fantastic with helping me figure out, you know, what I need, even with some physical therapy stuff, uh, depending on what it is. And West Ashley Wellness and Rehab has helped me a ton with um, some shockwave and stuff like that. So definitely those. Awesome. What about you, Caleb? Yeah. So I'm like uh, squirrel nut butter. It's, it's awesome. Uh, definitely prevents all the chafing and stuff. Um, picky bars. That's something I've just now become amb- ambassador for, but they're awesome. I love you know eating their bars and their uh, oatmeal and stuff. Um, just want to give a shout out to like all the Huntington runners, um, you know, both collegiate and ultra runners, just fun runners. Anyway, I love this community and it's been so much fun being a part of something a lot bigger than me. You're watching all these people get really excited about the sport. Um, you know, we're helping Dan Green out at Rimmed River this year. He's going to Black Canyon in February. Me and Alex are going to Bandera in January. We just have a lot of good people who are excited about the sport and just want to get better and i've seen a lot of younger guys want to be part of it and, and women as well it's been really cool um you know marsh university for giving a job and letting me coach these uh, athletes it's amazing uh definitely blessed to be part of that um free folk brewery you know in fayetteville you know they have been so awesome um the edwards that they were the ones that own it like they have been amazing uh and then everybody at river, the river this weekend that give them a shout out get, Give them prayers whenever they're starting to run. Uh, you know, hopefully everybody finishes and does great. Uh, but other than that, that's about it. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you both for coming on the show and taking time to hang out with us and talk about this. Uh, it was awesome to follow along the day of, obviously. Um, 
and just fantastic to see the effort you both put out in there and both breaking course record and you know whatnot caleb setting setting the course record now so uh that was fantastic to watch um other than that i don't think we got anything else uh be back next two weeks from now we'll be back for another live show um yeah thanks guys awesome thank you thank you guys for having us on Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Rosanna Nation.